Well, hello everyone. Uh, if you haven't got your Bibles, uh, there's still a few more visitors' Bibles at the back. Um, and as you'll see in the service sheet, we're in the letter of James, and it's page 1012 in the visitors' Bibles. And you'll also see on the back that there is uh, some space for notes and the structure of the, the talk this morning. This morning we are in chapter 4 and reading from verses 1 to 12. Uh, but before we begin, let's just turn to God and ask for his help this morning. Father, we come to you this morning um, rejoicing in the hot weather, um, but please help us to concentrate in the heat. Help us to have open ears to receive your message this morning. Um, and please just be changing our hearts by the power of your Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's turn to James then from chapter 4, verses 1 to 12. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have, because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive, because you ask wrongly, to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose that it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are, not a, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Well, when I'm uh, walking our little dog, he's usually great when he's off the lead. Uh, and he'll wander just a little bit. Um, and he'll stay quite close when we call him, unless there's something he desires more than listening to the sound of my voice calling him back. His inner desires completely override his ability to follow my instructions. And that's a, a similar dynamic with the people James is writing to. By leaning their ears more towards their inner desires, 
Their desires are leading them away from God, unable to hear his voice. But like the the father in the parable of the lost son, God is waiting with an abundance of grace to impulsively and patiently forgive and embrace his once wandering children. What we'll see in chapters 4 and 5 is that the big message is this, that God has for wandering people come back, turn around, and come home. All the sin, the burden that you carry, lay it at the cross, give it to Jesus, and live united in him, completely, single-mindedly fixated on his love, walking the way of righteousness, and be patient, battling hard in the right direction, not wandering off, staying strong, in a faith that keeps our heart beating to the sound of God's word. James, by the power of God's spirit, he is yearning, desperately wanting the people he's writing to to be single-minded, with a heart that's fixated and obsessed with Jesus. But they're caught in this battle between two directions because the desires in their hearts are conflicted. And that's why I've titled this week and the next sermon, The Battle of the Heart. Uh, We'll see with part one this week that the battle of the heart is summarized by chapter four, verse eight. So just take a look at that. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And the second part of this battle of the heart is summarized by chapter 5, verse 8. So just move your eyes across to the right. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. These people have been exposed for trying to belong to God and trying to move away from God. And now it's time to choose a direction. Ultimately, God wants them to draw near to him, completely focused on him. But first they need to sort out the desires of their hearts. So point one then, Jesus wants to be the desire of our hearts. When a heart does not entirely desire the one true God, there will be conflict within the heart. And a conflicted heart leads to a conflicted life. In verse 1, one to 3, there's this repeated mention of passions and desires, things we long for, things we lust for, things that we must have for our pleasure. And James says that within their hearts, these passions and desires are at war. Look at chapter 4, verse 1. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? Because their heart is divided, desires at war within themselves, this leads to a life of conflict, serious conflict with the people who are meant to be on their side in this great battle to keep going, to remain steadfast, to be patient, suffering and enduring together. But because of a conflicted heart, they cause conflict with fellow soldiers, their brothers and sisters. But I think with these guys, what we see here is is not so much a 50-50 split, but almost a complete self-centered heart, 
with only the desire of the sinful self, caring only for the will of man, not the will of God. I think this is why, verse 2, they do not ask or pray to God. They don't receive when they do pray and ask because none of it is to the will of God. It is all directed, verse 3, to the will of the self. Perhaps what's in view here is an evil will towards brothers and sisters that may include asking God to cause harm to other people. And that's very shocking and I hope very alien to any of us. And it seems very odd, the idea of just praying for harm to others. And yet, how easily, with a slip of the tongue, think last week, what's in our heart comes pouring out. Maybe not deliberately in prayer aimed at God, but what about all those careless words? Oh, they make me so angry I could just kill that person. Or even less, less dramatic, very normal, what about... I can't stand that person. That person is annoying. That person is boring. That person's too loud or that person's too quiet. How small and basic do we need to go before encroaching on verse 11? Do not speak evil against one another. Just turn back to chapter 3 quickly. I wonder if you uh, remember the illustration from verse 4. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. Now, James was focusing on the rudder, but I think notice how it's, it's the will of the pilot that controls the rudder. Ultimately, the desire in our hearts will be hugely significant in guiding and influencing our direction. I suppose it's a bit like in sport, really. Um, if, you, if you think you're going to lose, you're probably going to lose. I remember uh, a few years ago, I read the, the, the Secret. I think it's become more popular now, um, scarily. And basically, I think what it was about was if you desire something enough, then you will receive it. Um, a common example was money. If you think about money every day, um, they had examples of someone who then got a check in the post. And I think obviously that's not very helpful for us as, as Christians or, or anyone really, but in a way it's kind of true. If you obsess over something enough, you're going you're gonna to follow that direction. You are going to receive it in some way. And what we see with James, what his message is, is that Jesus wants to be the desire of our hearts. Jesus is the wisdom from above. Jesus is the will of God. He wants our whole hearts. He wants our whole selves fixated on him. But it's not just because Jesus was a good teacher who knew the right way to live. We need to remember that Jesus will be the judge of our hearts which is point number two. When we move to the rhythm of the sinful desires of our hearts, we're trying to, to position ourselves in opposition to the will of God, which is a very dangerous thing to do. Dangerous because we essentially make ourselves judge, judge over morality, 
over what is good and bad, judge over our own lives and our own souls. But James reminds us, verse 12, there is only one lawgiver and judge who, who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge your neighbor? Now, I find it helpful to understand these words in this passage in the context of the covenant relationship we enter into with God. And, and during our Sunday evening sessions, we've been going through the Bible story and we've seen this big purpose of God to bring us into this relationship with him through covenant. And we, we talked about how it's like a, a marriage, a relationship, a binding contract. God has called people out of the world, which is separated and isolated from him. And through Jesus, he's pulled people close to him in a positive, loving relationship. God has called people from a hostile relationship with him to a beautiful one, which we've entered into and secured by the blood of Christ. So when there are Christians who claim to be in this relationship with God, but they also want to keep their hostile relationship with him going at the same time, what is this other than betrayal of the covenant relationship with God? And why James says to these people in verse 4, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. A person cannot be in two types of relationships with God at the same time. You can't be living an unapologetically uh, a sinful life, placing hostility between you and God, and also drawing close to him. They are two different directions. And giving the law, God has provided a way to, to see how to live within this wonderful relationship with him. And he's given Christ and Christ's spirit to, to help us function without penalty or punishment for the ways we, we fail to live out this law. So a person who's, who's pushing God away, who's wandering away from Jesus, what are they doing? What are they doing when they wander away from the words that we are to live by? Well, surely they're asking and begging for God to judge them without the power of Christ. There are only two types of relationships with God. Each will lead a person in two opposite directions. And all of humanity are moving in one of these directions, living in one of these two relationships. When the Lord looks upon people's lives, he knows that sin will cause a, a desire in their hearts that will turn their will against him, to wander away from him. But God desires their direction of travel to be moving towards him. And that's why here in, in verse uh, verse 5, as well as other places in the Bible, God is described as being a jealous God. Now, people tend to use jealousy and envy as the same word, but actually envy is about wanting something that you don't have, and jealousy is about losing something 
that you love. And that's why God is a jealous God. He doesn't want to lose something he loves. He doesn't want people moving in a, in a direction of travel away from him. God says in Ezekiel, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. It's God's desire for us to draw near to him. He receives no pleasure in people falling and wandering away from his truth, requiring a judgment upon them. Jonathan Edwards says, God has no pleasure in the destruction or calamity of persons or people. He had rather they should turn and continue in peace. He is well pleased if they forsake their evil ways, that he may not have occasion to execute his wrath upon them. He is a God that delights in mercy, and judgment is his strange work. Dane Ortland quotes this in his book, Gentle and Lowly, and he goes on to say himself that God has a desire to swallow us up in joy. God is judge, but in mercy, Jesus will be the judge of our hearts. And if we've given ourselves to him, then we can rest assured. If we've decided that Jesus gets a little bit of us, but there's some things we keep away from Jesus, how assured can we be? If our hearts are filled with desire for things other than Jesus, how assured can we be? Now, if we ever find ourselves in a position where we can identify with the people James is writing to, where our sinful desires have divided our hearts in two, God says this, come back, turn around and come home. All the sin, the burden that we carry, lay it at the cross, give it to Jesus, and live united in him, completely, single-mindedly, fixated on his love, walking the way of righteousness, and be patient, battling hard in the right direction, not wandering off, staying strong in a faith that keeps our heart beating to the sound of God's word. Let's pray. Father, we live in a time with so much noise and clatter around us, we pray that you would speak to us and that we would listen. We pray that you would help us lay any burden or barrier that we've found in our hearts. We, we pray that you would help us just lay it at the cross, put it aside. We thank you for your great mercy. We thank you that there is grace here and encouragement that wherever we find ourselves or whatever we find ourselves doing, that we can come back to you, that you do invite us to come home. And we thank you that by Christ's Spirit, we can walk in a way that is faithful and righteous. And as we head on this great pilgrimage and direction 
home to you. We pray that you would be a lamp to our feet, that you would be our vision, that you would give us strength and comfort us as we patiently wait. Amen.